mine was Instagram. Nobody yeah. gave a f about my degree. Um, I came with a CV stacked and I also had worked with, you know, gone to advertising agencies. Can I please get an internship? Can I please try it out? And after Kells blew up, these same people that had said no to me just the year before were like, please, can we work with you? And I was like, I don't have new skills. So it's not about what I know school-wise. This is just because of who I was at the time. Welcome to season two of the A1 with Moi podcast, a podcast about Africans unlocking purpose, abundance and wealth in creative careers. There is so much to catch you up on. Season one ended in October 2020 and so much has happened since then. But I'll probably catch up with you on all of that in a bonus episode because today... We're going straight into our interviews. And for our first episode, I had the amazing opportunity to spend some time with Lesejo Klabi. She is a South African actress, presenter, and comedian who broke through the entertainment industry with her satire digital character, Coconut Curls. We actually got the chance to do something together for the first time, and that was learning how to shoot a gun at a gun range. And uh, well, let's say things got interesting. So to check that out, as well as some exclusive parts of this interview, make sure you head to my YouTube channel, The A1 with Moi. But right now, we're going to go straight into this interview as Lesejo and I spoke about what it took for her to break into this industry and how she's navigating it as someone who's just three months into the fullness of the South African entertainment industry. If you've ever wanted to be an on-air talent in the entertainment industry, there are some great gems in this interview. So I'm not going to keep you any longer. Let's go straight into it. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, let me know. Tag me at Moy the A1. Tell me that you're listening. I would love to know what you think. Enjoy. So how are you feeling after shooting some, you know, guns and stuff? I feel... I feel more on edge than I was before, but in a good way. Like now I want to go jump off something. Um, I feel like I can skydive now. Okay. Like I've, I was really nervous of heights. I was really nervous of shooting, did it. And I can see why people do adrenaline junkie things yeah. all the time. That's all I want to do now. <laughs> well, you have been doing some incredible things in the media industry. You would be what one would consider a fresh face. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been doing comedy or satire side of things for like two-ish years now but on TV this is my first year doing a lot of things. So right now you are a TV presenter on SABC3 which is a national broadcaster. You have you are an actress on the South African remake of Ugly Betty on SABC1 another again national broadcaster. You are on Showmax with Tally's Baby and you have some digital shows as well. That's a lot. Yes, and Ugly Betty show is also playing on View, which is kind of like South Africa's or Africa's answer to Netflix. Um, so it's going to be broadcast and like they they dubbing it into French. So I might be famous in Cameroon soon, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. That's exciting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. With all of that and with all these things that are happening, a fresh face in the industry, I'm actually curious. How do you feel about navigating this media space? Has there been things where you're just like, I wish somebody prepared me for this? Yo, a lot. Um, I wish people would prepare me for the workload. I think sometimes when you see things on TV, it looks so nice, and it is. But I mean, for the Ugly Betty show, we shoot like sometimes 12 to 14 hours a day, six days a week. Six days a week. Yeah. So you guys don't get breaks in between. We don't. I mean, this is the first Saturday that I'm going to have off in a very long time. 
Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. Um, and then trending also is Monday to Wednesday because we shoot all five shows um, in the first three days of the week. So there's never really downtime. I, I, I learned for the first time that there is such a thing as being too busy to date. Like I'm trying to navigate this world and I'm like, I actually, can you go on a date this day? No, I can't. Oh my God, no, I can't. It just it seems like I'm disinterested, but there's just no time. Yeah. Um, so I wish people prepared us for how much work there actually is. Yeah. And the fact that you really need to be passionate about it to do it. It's not, it's not gonna be easy if it's just about the end goal, which is, I mean, for some people it could be fame or money mm. and, you know, being also like a new face, people always excuse, or sorry, um, being a new face, people always say, you know, oh, overnight sensation or whatever it is. And I really hate that term because I went to varsity uh, sort of 10 years ago yeah. to study theater, to study drama. Um, I did short courses in musical theater. I did a short course in advertising just to be safe. I did a TV writing course in Columbia. So I've also got everything to back it up and I've been working towards this for 10 years. And only now is thing, are things starting to pop off. So I think it's a bit like insulting to be like, oh, overnight sensation when it's been like 10 years in the making. But I mean, finally, <laughs> finally. Yes, I do agree. I think people, especially those who are not in media, have this perception of the overnight success that it's just, oh, you know, videos went viral. Okay, here you are. But not only is coming into the space hard, Staying in and navigating it is, is very challenging as well. So you said being too busy and having to navigate that. I don't know how you're able to do six days a week. I mean, before this, I never drank coffee. And now I think I drink about three cups a day. So that's how. <laughs> but again, sometimes when you see the finished products, like the first time we saw the promo, it was like, oh, damn, that's me on TV. Um, so I think those type of things help navigate the exhaustion of it all. Um, and the fact that, I mean, I go home, I sleep, I wake up, I go to work. I go yeah. home, I sleep, I wake up, I go to work. So it's yeah. very little time anymore for socializing and being the social butterfly that I am, I get into like moody moments where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just want to see people and not the ones that I work with <laughs> as much as I like them. Um, but I think also sometimes the industry can be a bit dark. Uh, things can happen that just like will shock you sometimes and you just have to like, I mean, I see a lot of the times people call out celebrities for being silent on issues or, you know, why didn't you say something about this? And I learned very quickly that it's not really always because people don't want to say something. Sometimes you have people above you that are just like, you cannot say something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of uh, some, some of the things that I think I struggle with being very vocal and having come into this industry because of how vocal I am. And then, yeah, so um, that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you yeah. do. There is a media training side to it. Yeah. There's a, there's a how to navigate so that you still get a job in the future so you make your current bosses happy and you somehow make yourself happy exactly and still stay true to yourself but yeah. also learn that it comes with a little bit of compromising or a little bit of media training <laughs> what other challenges would you say you had to face in regards to communications with brands with uh production companies and I think navigating that aspect of it when you're starting out or you've gotten the opportunity now in the media space the team aspect of it is not as established yet yeah. and so there's still a lot that needs to be figured out how did you navigate that well in the beginning people didn't want to touch my brand because satire is quite and my specific style is quite biting obviously it's quite you know. when you say people do you mean 
managers, agents, do you mean production companies? I mean brands mostly because okay. in the beginning I wasn't really looking for, I can't have a manager if I don't have work, like what's yeah. the point? <laughs> so uh, I was talking about like brands and, and trying to make relationships with people to be like, I want to do this full time, I don't want to work anymore, I want to do Instagram and YouTube and please will you work with me and I'm, you know, I'm trying to make a message about South Africa and it's really going to be received well, I promise you. And people were just like, mm. It's just too much. Like the things you say about white people, it's a bit too much. Um, it's a bit too dangerous. We're not sure because then they're going to cancel our brand. And anyway, it took one brand, um, and I think it was Take A Lot was the first one that was like, we're willing to take the risk. Let's go. And after Take A Lot, then it was just brand after brand after brand. Um, but yeah, it just I had to wait for the first person to be like, hey, we'll take a risk. If we get cancelled, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but we like what we see so far. And then. The manager thing kind of came after that. Um, How did you navigate that aspect of it? I actually got called by the team that um, is now my manager. So they were like, we see you and your work. And, um, you know, I think the lady actually said, my daughter sent me your stuff. So I really love what you're doing. I really think it's, it's going to take off. I think it's an important thing, but I also think it's really, really dope. Um, she didn't say dope because she's old and white, but she said, like, it's really good. And um, yeah, then they called me in. We had a meeting. We got along really well. We both had the same vision. I told them about how I went to school and I want to be an actress eventually. And I was actually nervous because I was stuck inside Coconut Curls for a very long time. I kept saying, like, I don't want to end up being one of those people who is one character, especially because I've done the acting um, craft and the, and the, the learning and the school. So I was like, please help me navigate out of this quickly yeah. so that I can still do Kells, but it's not the only thing I can do. Um, and it actually took way longer than I wanted it to actually get out of there because every time the phone rang, people were like, Kells, I was like, oh, but there's also Lissaha who also does this, this, and they were like, yeah. So Kells, I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, um, so it took a long time, but with the help of um, the manager, luckily, most of what's happened to me, honestly, so far until late last year was things happening to me, brands calling me, uh, my manager calling me. Um, and it was only last year that I decided that I also need to be strategic as much as I am lucky, because, you know, luck can run out. And that's when I decided, okay, we're gonna be an actress. And I went for these things specifically. Trending, essay, every time they interviewed me on the air, I was like, to the, present, to the producers, if you're watching this, hire me. And a week after one of my interviews where I said that they called and they were like, actually, are you free? <laughs> so I was like, ooh, manifestation. So there's a whole lot of manifesting, there's a whole lot of calling, there's a whole lot of emails, cold calls, um, and not waiting so much anymore, which I used to do. I love that. So cold calls, talk to me about that. You actually being proactive. Yeah. What does that entail? Break it down. Like, give me an example of some of the things that you've done to be proactive about maybe not just being coconut curls, but being a presenter, being an actress. Last year, I really, really was focused on getting onto radio. Um, I mean, it's just that I have no experience and I don't know how to get that started. But I sent an email to like every radio station you can think of. And I was like, guys, this is what I can do. This is what I have done. Look at the work that I've done on YouTube. Because I used to have a show called Unfiltered where we spoke about like the issues of the day. Um, and actually, some of the responses from people on radio were like the same that I got with Kells earlier on. Like, yo, it's a bit hectic. It's a bit political, it's a bit you're intense, like we need just someone to play music bro and just like chill kind of thing. So
So I don't know. I mean, I think the nice thing about what I'm doing now is that people get to see the other side um, and that I can be totally chill. Like I'm one of the most relaxed people, but also if you come incorrect, we're gonna have a debate. Um, so yeah, whatever, that didn't really pan out. But that was the first time I actually sat down and I was like, I'm going to email and ask and present myself. And, um, and I, even with the, with the trending thing, like I said, I didn't quite do emails that way, but I, I said it every single time I was in the uh, production area with them and I was like, listen guys, if you want a fourth chair, let me know, please. I'm really keen on this thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't have much time to do anything else right now and I would not take on any other job right now until we take our production break at the end of May, but I don't know, radio is still a thing on my horizons. I'm not letting that dream go. I'm still chasing it, so it. we'll see. So people did take a while to differentiate Lesejo from Coconut Kells, mm -hmm. but Lesejo has, you went to NYC, mm -hmm. you studied film? I studied musical theatre there music and writing for TV. Okay, so you studied musical theatre and writing for TV in New York. Mm -hmm. You studied in London as well. You studied in Cape Town. This is all within the media space. Yeah. Everything I've done, except for the six months that I spent at Vits before I dropped out, was for this career. I'm, I did a BCom because my parents insisted and I was like, and then I just dropped out after my June exams. <laughs> but you, so you knew really early on that this is where you wanted to be? Yeah, I knew, like, I think I was one of those people who was born knowing. I honestly don't remember a time where I did not want to be a singer or an actress. I used to say singer a lot. Now that dream is like bizarre because I don't think anyone needs to hear an album of my voice. But um, always, always used to say singer, actress, singer, actress. And to the point where even when I was applying for varsity and being told, no, you have to do a BCom, my teachers were like, are your parents crazy like you are the actress of the school and I was in every play and so it took I mean when I started actually finally doing that and you know even wrote a book my English teacher was like girl didn't I tell you in grade 11 that you're gonna write a book um, so yeah um, I knew my teachers knew my parents even knew on some level but obviously when you have black parents it's a bit tough for them to imagine having a career that isn't stable so I think for them it wasn't like we don't want to support your dreams now they're my biggest cheerleaders ever but it's because they can see that this kind of career is feasible and yeah. it's something that you can make money from and it's something you can support yourself from I just don't think my parents thought oh, we want to have our child here until she's 40 you know um, so once it got possible and, and they're both doctors so and my sisters and um, you know property and my cousins and finance so everybody is doing something else and I'm the only artist in my family and I think it took them a while to see that and once they did though it was like okay let's go. Did you feel like it was heartbreaking or just a hurdle that you just had to just do be calm you know what you want to do but let's just do this for the parents? Yeah, I didn't think I had a choice, so I did the BCom, but it was very, very devastating for me. Like, I felt like I was in a jail. I knew from the first day of school that, like, I wasn't going to last. I yeah. was just like, cool. All right. I'm not sure when, but I need to drop out soon because this is killing me. And I think in my, like, towards the time I was dropping out, I, I don't know if it was clinical depression because I wasn't diagnosed, but, like, that's the closest I've ever felt to being depressed yeah. and I was like okay I can't do this like and it's not just because I physically cannot calculate the numbers um it's because I cannot do this yeah and was that the six months in fits yeah it was the six months in fits but it was also UCT because even at UCT I had to do they still weren't convinced about drama I wasn't on the hitting campus that I wanted to be I was still uh doing media studies and English which 
I could do, but I just wasn't happy. I was like, this, I don't want to be a journalist. Yeah. I don't want to write. I want to act. Please let me go act. So I was still pretty bummed at UCT. And then finally in my second, I think second or third year, my mom was like, okay, what? Okay, write it down. What do you want? And you've been talking about this for so long. I believe you now. I believe you. You can do this. But we're not going to study here in South Africa. You're going to go to a place where it's the best. So you want to go to the US? Do you want to go to the UK? I was like... UK and then we flew and she's like go audition if you don't make it then let this thing go and finish your degree and then I got in hey. <laughs> <laughs> so you finished studying you finally got the chance to study what you love to do let's talk about that phase in between after finishing studying and now you think yo I'm going to enter the media industry <laughs> and then yeah because that's what everybody thinks Ooh, right I was like well they're waiting for me basically <laughs> so that point in the middle before you finally get the coconut curls personality that you know blows up let's talk about that in between straight out of varsity what happened so I came home and I was like oh I'm going to be a star and I went for an audition my mom knew like a producer who was like um, quite big in the industry and she was like go speak to him and ask him how to navigate this thing and I did and then he was kind of like you know what it's really really tough for like a plus size lady to navigate this industry in the front of the scenes you're going to be competing with like the bonangs and the minis and you're just never going to make it so I think you should do a short course in something that will take you behind the scenes and rather go there. And that was, it was one meeting, but that's all it took for me. I was just like, okay. And yeah, then I was like, okay, he's the big producer. Like he's the one who makes a lot of decisions. If he's saying that I'm not gonna make it, then, then I'm not gonna make it. And I went to go um, apply for jobs in production and TV writing. And I worked behind the scenes for, I think it was like three-ish uh, three years, something like that. Um, but whilst that happened, I was started doing coconut curls on the side to like free my mind from the depression or the whatever was happening whilst working and watching other people live my dream right in front of me. Because <laughs> you had the hurdle first of all to study something else, mm -hmm. right? And then you get in front of this producer who's like, it's not going to work, let it go. And you just let it go? I did, I did immediately. Like, I don't think you know what it's like for someone to tell you that not because of your talent, not because of your whatever, that just the way you look is going to completely hold you back for life. So hearing that like just broke me and I was like, I don't want to continuously go into rooms where people are gonna tell me that every day. Uh, let me just, I'm not strong enough for that. So it's okay. I'm just gonna go do what he said I should do. And also I did see it as a kind of way to be like, maybe meeting the people that I'll be working with I can one day say, oh, by the way, I, I can present if you want, if someone's sick or I can act. Um, so I did kind of see it as a window, but I actually found it's much harder to go <laughs> that way because once people see you as a producer or a writer and you put up your hand for something in front of the thing, they're just like, babe, that's not, that's not what you're here for. We've got people that we can call. Um, so I had to leave in order to then go around the other side. That mental space of, of like, okay, I'm giving up being on camera and just focusing on producing and writing. What was great? How long was that phase? It was like, I don't know, I, I can't remember how long I worked for. I think I worked for like three years, but I was also unemployed for two years after that because I left that kind of environment. I was like, I'm not happy. It's not working. I'm going to make Kels work. But then Kels wasn't really working. So I was like, fuck, I have to apply for jobs again. And then as I was applying the second time, I got, a, then the video went viral that on ENCA and then things changed. But yeah, man, this journey has been so hard. Because <laughs> yeah. I also had so many qualifications that I thought 
would make me the most desirable candidate in any space. I was like, and I got a student lurie whilst doing my advertising thing. And I got, you know, I studied in New York and London. Oh my gosh, these people are going to clamor for me. Drips. No, <laughs> no, they did not. <laughs> they were just like, cool, everybody's studied them. Um, and then I realized that like in arts, it's actually what you know. There are a lot of people in the, in the production space um, on our set specifically who have never gone to varsity. They just picked up a camera and started shooting and doing it. So I actually, I don't want to like on school, um, but I just don't think it's like the be all and end all that people make it. And I wish people wouldn't put so much pressure on varsity um, for a lot of things because here yeah, it's about experience. Even in advertising, I won this um, student lurie thing. I was like, cool, everyone's going to want to hire me. And they were like, where's your portfolio? And I was like, well, I, I already did a short course. I have never worked in this industry. And I'm like, well, girl. So really, it's what you know. Yeah. And who you know. Yeah. But not through school. Okay. All right. But so. stay in school at the same time. <laughs> My message is confused. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> if you are in school though, get a, get a job or, or do the learnings, do the YouTube, get an internship. Like, it's really, 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 really about the, the experience. Definitely gain experience and learn, but learning doesn't have to take the form of university. Okay. Yes, it doesn't have to take that form because my come up was YouTube. Yeah, right? and mine was Instagram. Nobody yeah. gave a fuck about my degree. Um, I came with a CV stacked and I also had worked with, you know, gone to advertising agencies. Can I please get an internship? Can I please try it out? And after Kells blew up, these same people that had said no to me just the year before were like, please, can we work with you? And I was like, I don't have new skills. So it's not about what I know school-wise. This is just because of who I was at the time. So yeah, I think uh, social media is your mate. But if you're in the creative space, I honestly would advise like internships, experience, experience, experience. School. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't go that far. I kind of would. Like, if it, it's just a waste. It's like, it's a waste, man. But do short think, courses, but I don't think anyone, like, I don't want to sell I, this because okay, the kids are the future think. and blah, blah, blah. But like, <laughs> But I do think if you do go to varsity, there's certain relationships that can be helpful in varsity. They can be... I think varsity helps you to think. Yes. And it helps you to, you know, put things together in terms of research and in terms of um, doing, uh, what is it called, a dissertation and things yeah. like that. But, it's not vital. Um, but I don't think in a creative space, because there's places like Boston, mm -hmm. places like Vega, where I think they give you experiential learning. So yeah. maybe I wish Varsity would change rather than saying it ain't, but like, I wish it was more training based with the education. I think in South Africa, everything is so books based. When I was in UCT and I was doing media studies, we only wrote our first article in third year and we were supposed to be preparing for the real world. <laughs> Whilst in, um, in London, everything is very, very practical as much as it is um, theory. So I think maybe Varsity should change rather than like, don't go. <laughs> yeah. So I want to know what you think, to school or not to school? This has actually been quite a conversation within the creative industry because spending a ton of money on university in Africa, where a lot of, especially the black households, don't really have the funds to spend four years paying hundreds of thousands. There are some benefits, there's no doubt. But I think one does have to be strategic about exactly what they're learning and what institution they go to and if it's truly beneficial. So if you've ever wondered whether to go to school or not to study a specific 
craft within the creative space, just do your research. That's what I'm here to help you out. We're gonna have tons of conversations with people over time so that you can make the best informed decisions for yourself. Now, I also wanted to tell you about a segment that will be part of the A1 with Moya podcast where I get a chance to feature up and coming creatives. So I put a link in the show notes, in the description that you can click on and nominate yourself or somebody else you know who's up and coming within the creative space, influencers, music, fashion, creative entrepreneurs, let me know. It's hard enough as it is to break into industries within the creative space. So I want to help. So click on the link, nominate yourself or someone else. And hopefully we'll be featuring you both on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. Now let's head back into this interview as Lisaka and I talk about how she mentally handles being in this creative industry. Now I want to touch on something because I just put one and one together, right? One or two and two, whatever. That here you are sitting with a producer who tells you that because of the way you look, you're not going to make it work, right? And then you have an experience with a fashion designer based off of that same weight. Did did this come back up? Did your experience with this designer bring up, I mean, that emotional touch points, especially hearing that, okay, firstly, you weren't even supposed to be in this industry anyway because. Talk to me about that. I actually did not even put two two together like that, but because my reaction was so visceral and so, so deep, I clearly know that there was more than just that thing. But again, I mean, it was, it was also like in a space where other people were there. It was in a space where it was because it was for my work. It was in a space where I was really excited to be there because this person was quite big. Um, so that's what sucked for me. And, and um, I think, yeah, a lot of the times, I mean, I speak to Black Wendy about this all the time. And we're always like, we're gonna do a sit down like this where we speak about fat phobia in the industry. but. A thousand times out of, or ten times, nine times out of ten, um, you get told you, you don't belong there, you shouldn't be in that room. You have to fight so hard for like minuscule crumbs um, just by virtue of how you look. So it is really irritating when an experience that has nothing to do or shouldn't have anything to do with that because it's your job that comes up again. What advice would you give? to someone who's in a position like that. It might not be weight related because I've had situations like that and it wasn't weight weight related. But this media industry sometimes has its way of picking at certain things that can really trigger because it does become so personal. Creative beings give of themselves. Once you you realize this industry is extremely fat phobic, it's extremely colorist. Um, I mean, if you're not like a light-skinned, thin girl, it's going to be a journey for you. Um, So once you realize that and then also realize that in order to be taken seriously as a person who fits outside the light-skinned pretty girl thing, you need to be brilliant. Um, And it sucks that you have to be even more brilliant than like a person who can be okay and still get the job. But I mean, then we really are brilliant when we when we get in there still, despite everything that told us that we couldn't. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really cool anyway, because I wouldn't want to have the easy road. I wouldn't want to have the road that says, that gives me permission. Like I took up space, you know, the way Zosie told us to. Um, and I think that it's really cool that I wasn't, it wasn't easy because that's what gave me the chance to go get all these skills so that I could make sure when I walk the walk and talk the talk, I can back it up. Um, so yeah, it's okay. Like, but I just think if you don't have the things that are naturally, you know, what is accepted, because everyone will point to someone and be like, oh, but what about Thick Leonce? Or what about Lupita Nyong'o? 
And I'm like, oh, the fact that we can name one or two is the problem. <laughs> it's the fucking problem. Lizzo, whatever, whatever. Um, but I think just make sure you're brilliant and stand out and keep working and use um, social media because the traditional way is still very much exclusive. Um, but social media speaks for itself. Yeah. Once people love you, they can't say no. Um, and that's on Mary had a little laugh. <laughs> Coming into the media industry, you're going to get some kind of, because people, I feel like the media industry just doesn't move out of its little box until, like you said, you have that audience, you have the people being like, this is what we want, make it work. And so in that moment, how do you get yourself in the mind space that, I don't know if pump you, like pump yourself up is the right word, but to put yourself in the, mental position to tackle the space that you're in um it's actually just my mom like she is i always tease her and call her yanla because she's always got like words of wisdom i'm like mom not now i just want to vent i just want to scream i just want to cry but really 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 she is one of the most insightful people i know she's also so positive and powerful and like Okay, I just have so many positive things about her. She also gave me a chance to be like, I don't want to work right now. Can I just try and get Kels going? And she was like, cool, you have one year. If you don't make it work, you're going back to work. So she's the person. The <laughs> she's the person I call when shit is going down. I cry with her, she'll listen. And then she's like, cool, now you've had a cry. Pick yourself up and let's do this. Look at what the opportunities that have come. Yes, there's this. There's well, I almost said that guy's name. There's a designer, there's this industry, there's whatever, but look at what there is as well. There's Ugly Betty, um, Bettina Wetu, there's Training Essay, there's Take A Lot, whatever, whatever, whatever. So don't sit in it. Yeah. And I'm a big crier anyway. I cry all the time. And once it feels like, um, I don't know what to say, it kind of feels like a cleansing thing. Once I've cried, it's gone. Yeah. The tears, take it with it, and then it washes away and we're starting again. So um, I react a lot and, and quite heavily, but it's like one moment and then we move. And yeah, with my mom's help. <laughs> now, I didn't want to touch a lot on coconut curls because I wanted to focus on the sejo, but you can't talk about your come up or your coming up without touching on coconut curls a bit. So I, I also don't to... hate curls, I just didn't, no, 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 no. I, I love it. Like... I really wanted to focus on you because you're more than just the character that is coconut curls but that was almost a launching pad as i would say towards your who you are now in the media industry so talk to me about creating the content not the personality but the actual creating the content did you put out weekly videos did you what was your game plan or oh, it's just like oh something's interesting is happening i feel like coconut curls has a reaction to this let's just go um i saw pretty much from like videos maybe two or three, something like that. Um, and that was still just on my personal Facebook. I wasn't sharing it publicly. But the reaction from my friends and the fact that they were like, we, we've we shared this with our family, with our friends, like people are asking for more and please make this public. I promise you it's a thing. It took me like six months after the, after the third, I think, video to make it public. But I didn't have a content plan because I was working full time and I didn't really think it was gonna be like a thing. And not that many people were doing digital stuff that I was aware of yet, um, especially comedy-wise. So I didn't know it was like an actual viable thing. Um, yeah, so I think I was putting out content once every, uh, it was actually event dependent. Someone's racist, someone says the K word, there's, there's content, mm -hmm. I make a video. But it wasn't like a lot of things were happening until election year, which was 20, well, end of 2018 into 2019. Um, and then the news people started picking me up and saying, okay, we want, 
because it's elections, we want political analysis on this, and this is a great way to do it without being like, you know, getting an actual politics graduate, whatever. Then after the ENCA video I did with um, Jane, then that went like viral, viral, more than I'd ever seen, like over a million people in a week. And like, so that was crazy. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, this is like a thing. Yeah. And I can, and then I started imagining like late night talk show, Jimmy Fallon, Trevor Noah type of thing. Um, South Africa just doesn't have the budget or the wherewithal where or the what, what. It's always that kind of conversation. So I was just like, whatever. But um, that was when I realized like, okay, I can do this as a career. I can move on and do other things. Um, that was very exciting for me. Yeah. But, and then I started working for 702, which was like, I was doing a weekly roundup of the news as Coconut Curls. Um, and I had to drop a lead up video every week. That became weekly. And then I also saw that that kind of output had a lot of gain mm -hmm. and traction and then brands were calling and what water. But it's very tiring to do curls every week. And it's also less funny when it's more contrived like that. Mm -hmm. It just felt like I'm forcing content and it's not, you know, when I give people like a break and then I just come in shock, it's much, much more well received. Um, I also was starting to feel a bit resentful because I felt stuck, but also I was being paid to do stuff with brands, which meant a lot of stuff was being limited. I couldn't say this, I couldn't mention this. And I was like, well, what's the point of asking to work with a coconut curls and then saying, don't be coconut curls. So um, I actually decided end of last year that for maybe a year, if I can afford it, <laughs> to not take brand work and just see the love and passion come back with curls. And I haven't actually for a few months now. So, and it's been great actually. Yeah. Love that. Sure. Sometimes okay. brand work can be more stifling than people think, you know. Definitely. And I think the great thing is now that you're in a position that you can say no to brand work because especially with digital guys, when they can't say no because they still need to pay the bills, that's when it gets extremely tricky. Yeah. So you've got traditional going really well. You are pursuing digital even more. I mean coconut curls is digital. By the way, for those who don't know coconut curls. Who's There's so many people who don't know, but she, I mean, must I describe her or the work that I do? Maybe both. Okay, so she is like, I guess, she's always 21. I don't know why. She's in varsity. She Wait, actually, Coconut Curls is 21. She's young. She's just like young. I think at some point she has to grow up because it's going to show in my face. But like right now she's still a bit young. She's in varsity. Um, she's one of these, for me, she's like a personification of what I, I imagine the DA is. She's like the DA come to life. So that's what I would say she is as a person. Um, but it's a satirical character that I created to criticize and critique white privilege, especially. Um, but it also then became something that I was like, oh, I need to speak to the government as well, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of trash happening with our ruling party as well. It's just easier sometimes to critique white privilege and, and whiteness because, oh, it's so glaring. And it's, it was, there was a stage where people were dropping the K word every week. And I was like, yo, thanks for the content. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just a way to criticize and critique the that happens in South Africa that I'm not okay with. Yeah. So with digital, with you being on traditional now, you having digital coconut curls. I saw you YouTubing. Yes, doing uh, the thing. I'm trying to be a YouTuber now. I'm so interested in beauty and fashion and lifestyle. And I think people are starting to see that on my Instagram. But I just always, I 
also record everything. I'm the social media girl. If we're going somewhere, I'm on Instagram all day. So I was like, why not make it and package it into like a YouTube type of thing. I'm in Cape Town now on a beautiful holiday. Let's do it. Like I love watching people's videos. So I just kind of want to make it and see. If I, if I like it, I like it. If I don't, then I'll, well, I'll stop. <laughs> yeah. Now off camera, we were telling about something that I'd like to bring on camera, but you were talking about the fact that you just can't lean on one thing, right? So being an actress right now, TV presenter, you're currently working, which is awesome. But that, the need to constantly be evolving. Let's talk about that. So I actually, yeah, on camera, I wanna shout out Ricky Rick because he is the one person I had a conversation with recently and he was the one who was like, just giving advice because, I mean, I've known him since I think we were born, I don't know. But um, he was like, you can't stick in one lane and think it's gonna work out forever. You can't be a one dimensional artist, especially in South Africa where they don't pay artists a lot. In America, you can be just a comedian, but they make millions. <laughs> Here, we don't at all. So I understand, like I know people always want the industry to open and I hope that there are more ways and, and um, paths for it to happen. But I also fully understand the girls who want to be an actress, a rapper, a DJ, and a, a, I don't know, make alcohol or whatever it is, because why not? Like, first of all, there's not enough money in one stream at all. But also most creatives are creative because our minds are everywhere. I also qualified as a DJ. I went to um, Fuse Academy actually, which was run by DJ Isintle, and learned how to DJ because I love music and I love entertaining people and I love the crowd and I love my specific style of music, which, I, which was 90s and I never heard it enough when I went out. So I was like, I'll play it. <laughs> so we have so many interests um, in our minds anyway. And most creatives are good at so many different things. So why not make money from them? Um, and I think that it's very important not to stick in one thing. I mean, over the last three years, I've been a comedian, satirist, TV presenter, actress, a DJ for some few gigs. So I'm not gonna stop collecting things. First of all, I get bored very easily. Um, but also I love different sides of this industry. I want to actually do it all. I, I don't even just sit on it though. I mean, if I want to do something, I mostly go and I study it or I'll do a short course. Whether I believe in varsity or not, you see, it's up and down. I go and study it. Um, and then I put my, sh my back into it and I make sure I do it well. Yeah. But I don't think that it's fair to limit anyone um, and I'm not gonna be limited. If I'm gonna drop a hair range next year, I'm gonna drop a hair range, you know what I mean? So coming for all the bags because they're not enough, they're not big enough, they're not secure enough. Um, and now you've seen what the, uh, the arts department does with things and money that they're supposed to be giving to artists. So you can't be depending on them either. You gotta just grab everything. Absolutely. And actually not even just within the arts. If people wanna go do property, people wanna go do um, you know something scientific, I don't know, but like I think branch out as much as possible. Definitely. All right, now wrapping up, for those who wanna come into this industry, actually no, for those who are starting to actually really engage this industry. Maybe they booked their first big job. They, they're actually in the media space now, a fresh face. What advice would you give? Well, I'm still a fresh face. I don't I know, get to give you, advice. But that's why you're the perfect person because you're in it. Because by the time we're talking about this, I'm sure once she's like, you know, one of the awards, whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a far out thing. But for somebody going through it now, 
your perception now is still going to be different from then, I'm sure. Well, I would say one thing I've learned in the last three months is to not take anything personally, not critique, not um, decisions made, not just anything. Because I've also seen people lose their job like this and get jobs like this and things change and now it's new faces and, um, and it's quite callous. So I think not to take anything too personally because this industry can eat you up. At some point last week or maybe the last month, I just thought, okay, I'm too sensitive for this industry. Like I feel very strongly about certain issues that get swept under the carpet in this industry and it's killing me. And I don't know how to stand by and just be okay with it. It's, it's not okay. So I think I'm trying to learn how to just be like, it's not my portion. I'm not gonna fight for everything. I'm not fighting for everyone. I'm not gonna be everybody's Sarafina actually. I'm gonna let go. Um, and not take things so personal because not people aren't doing it to me as much as I hate it as much as I'll see something that maybe looks like you know racism or you know misogyny or sexism or whatever it is or harassment um, and want to speak up all the time I think I've just learned to like let go and let God yeah. um, and not take things personally so that but also again use all the resources you have online if you want to be a YouTube, if you want to be on TV, do something on YouTube, do something on Instagram. If you want to be on radio, start a podcast, like literally pick up the tools that you have and you don't need equipment like this. You don't need the cameras, you don't need, you just need a phone. I started my videos with like a Samsung S, the one from like very many years ago. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I had a very rinky-dink phone and I, my videos, even when I look at the quality now, I'm like, but that's all, it, I didn't need quality. Yeah. I just needed the jokes and my personality and what I had. So stop waiting, just start the thing. Put it out there. Also people, like there are people who are born to critique. There are people who thrive on hating because there's the only thing they have going on in their lives. Like that thing of getting retweets and likes feeds them because nothing else does. So uh, you can't be afraid of people's opinions. You can literally be Beyonce. There are still people who are like, fuck Beyonce, she's not talented, she can't sing. You can't um, wait for approval and you can't hope that everyone's going to like it because they won't. Yeah. But you've got to do it if you're passionate about it. Lesejo, thank you so much for spending some time with me today from the gun range to this awesome conversation. I had a bucket list item today. I had a deep conversation. I had some laughs. It's been a, it's been a really great day. Awesome. Well, all the best. I know we're going to see even more great things from you. And you, Miss Honey, Miss Honey Channel. <laughs> just, just, just. Um, but yeah, thanks for being here. Cool. Thank you very much for having me. I absolutely loved having this conversation with Lesejo. I hope you enjoyed listening to it too. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode back with season two. And if you loved it, let me know. Tag me at Moy the A1. I hope you subscribe and if you can, leave us a review. And I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Bye.